Ain't got no chocolate bunnies and sour eggs for you on this Monday. Well, maybe Adam does. Here we go. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Move it on. You love 33. You better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. That's sports. We start Monday. Yeah. And yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. I know. Ron. Chris Morales. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. Welcome into the TrojanSports.com podcast for your Monday, March 28th, 2016. I am Chris Morales. Happy Monday. A little soft and rainy out there. It's cold. It's a little misty. Speaking of misty and wanting to feel misty, the great Adam Maya, beat reporter from Trojan Sports, is here. Chris P. Swanson, the publisher. I'm not going to ask Chris Swanson how his Easter is. I don't think he would get into the Easter uh, the Easter celebrations like an Adam Maya would. So I'll start with Adam. How was your Easter? Beautiful. And this was uh, your son's first, first Easter, right? Yeah, the first one with a baby boy. And um, we uh, it got it got emotional. Did it? I didn't expect that. Was yeah, that because I showed up in the bunny suit like you wanted? or <laughs> That was later. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Why do I even talk to you? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we, we have always done an Easter egg hunt, <laughs> which is not really what uh, the holidays should be about. But um, we, we did go to church in the morning because we go every week. But uh, Easter is an important one, of course. But we did an Easter egg hunt, and um, it's something I've done for way too long because uh, I, I do it because my grandparents appreciate it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm 30-something years old here, giving away too much. But um, I just feel like I should not be doing this. But my son is only a few months and so we got to do it and we brought that tradition back for the first time in a long time and he got money which meant that i got money beautiful um and then i want to tell you that we we took a photo uh where where i grew up and i've taken this photo for the last four years with my wife and each easter has been something new the first one, we were dating. And then the next one, we were married. Then the next one, we were expecting. And now we have a baby boy. It's funny. So, I, I saw this photo I, this morning on uh, on Facebook. Yeah. I don't know why we're still Facebook friends, but nevertheless, I saw this photo <laughs> this morning, and I was going to say to you, uh, Mrs. Maya yeah. gets better with age in these photos, and you really get <laughs> worse. I mean, if you go from one to four, it's sort of like, um, is she seeing the same thing we're seeing? I don't know. Obviously, she's not, but there you go. All right, and uh, a man who's just quiet right now, but he does like bunnies, the one and only Chris Swanson. 
I love some bunnies. Uh, Chris Ross, I love the brutal honesty with Adam Maya there. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, know we're just honest. On. You know, yeah. yeah. So are you yeah. asking me about my Easter? Is that what's happening? No, I, I here, we can go or? past that. No, but if you want to, okay. if you want to say That's something fine. about it. No, I just did family stuff. It's okay. You I know, mean, you typical, don't strike me as a Easter. as a person on uh, that's slapping a he has risen bumper sticker on your uh, on your car there, but maybe you are. I don't know. Yeah, I I didn't go to church. Okay. Because I haven't been to church since I was like eight years old. So. Well, I saw the movie yeah. Spotlight. But, I understand how those things can be tough to go back to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Wow. It was a big part of our Easter conversation oh, wow. in my family. The movie Spotlight. <laughs> We actually started watching it, and then my wife was like, "I don't want to see this." Right, right exactly. It's not really the. It's not the Easter type themed movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what? I, I'm shocked that Adam started watching Spotlight on Easter. That just blows me away. Chris Morales, I would have seen that coming, but Adam, no, 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 no. no. Well, there you go. Did not. Did not. That was right, don't worry, everyone. We're going to get to sports shortly. Um, it is the Trojansports.com podcast, direct from Trojansports.com. We are going to uh, talk pro day. We've got Lance Zerline. We mentioned him last week on the show. Lance is from uh, NFL Network and NFL.com, Houston radio superstar. He's going to come in here and uh, talk about USC and the draft coming up in just uh, a few, about a month now from now. Uh, Adam Myers bumper sticker award, possibly. We'll see. Quarterback competition yeah. and your questions direct from Trojansports.com. The big news that was blowing up our apps uh, over the last few days, and, and a lot of stories now about it, and it seems like there were tears dropped into Easter baskets everywhere about Kenny Bigelow tearing that ACL. What do we got? I feel for the kid. I, I'm i not too attached usually to a lot of them. And Kenny, I don't know real well, but how can you not, um, USC fan or otherwise, we've been waiting for Kenny Bigelow, and he knows that. And and he he puts a lot on his shoulders to deliver uh, on that five-star potential. And uh, I think most of you are familiar with the story. He came in 2013, and he redshirted. And in 2014, before the year began, tore his ACL. And then last year, kind of fell into, I think, a, a set of maybe weird circumstances where he was uh, Malcolm in the middle and and just uh, out of favor with all the young guys and all the veterans. He was in between that. He was a, a redshirt sophomore at that point who hadn't played. And he played a little bit. You know, he appeared in most games, but he didn't play a whole lot. And this, this year was going to be his year. And we've been saying that, or we haven't been saying that, but you know that's just kind of been the, the narrative for a few years now. And Torres ACL again, and he, he's going to be out for the year. Clay intimated that maybe he can come back by the end of the year. I don't see it. If he did, it would be November, and usually at that point with a torn ACL, you're just you're not you're not playing, especially when you're that big. Um, you're better off typically not playing. Uh, and and so he's in all likelihood going to miss another full season and then have a year to go. But you carry your ACL twice. You just don't even know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative here, but you don't know that he comes back. And if he does, great. But uh, just a big blow to him personally. 
Um, Chris, I think we should probably talk about what we think uh, the impact will be for the football team. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. They didn't have, you know, veteran defensive linemen really anyway. Uh, they needed him. We, you know, you mentioned the narrative was this was going to be his year. I think that they, you know, the coaching staff would have had to use him uh, no matter what. Yeah. And, uh, and it was his time to shine and his chance to shine. And it was a good story because of that, because he was going to get used. And, you know, we were all going to find out, you know, is he really this five-star guy? Or, you know, was he over a little bit overrated? Did things derail his career a bit? And now we don't, you know, we're not even going to have a chance to see that. USC is lacking depth on the defensive line. I, I think it, it it hurts. I mean, it really, it hurts how I feel about this defense. It was already a weak point, And now I'm not sure about their defensive line at all. I think it, it might be a bad defensive line this year, even. We don't know. You know, Kenny Bigelow, even though he hadn't played, he made me feel a little bit more confident about it. If the, the, You know, but now, I don't know, that defensive line seems like a really weak point. Let's step out of our Trojan bubble for a moment. If you were looking at the loss of Kenny Bigelow uh, in the context of the roster, it might not be a huge deal. He's an unknown. And while we thought he had great potential, and, and I came in later, I, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention to the, the five-star rating and, and everything that he uh, arrived with. I started covering the team again in 2014. And just watching him, I thought he's a player and would have an impact. And that's why I was always surprised that he didn't play last year, uh, even despite all the, the veterans they had. I thought he should have played. I thought he would have done well. I thought he did well when he played. But in a grand scheme, he was still unknown. He, it, it was still it wasn't something you could bank on. It wasn't you weren't losing Leonard Williams. Uh, as far as a a known commodity. And so I don't think this totally derails them. Now, if he, if he would have been, you know, an all conference player, then it's just probably a big deal. But just because we don't know that, let's look at what they've got. They have Rashim Green, who was outstanding this past week, and especially in the scrimmage. And really has been, I think, better than we thought he would be this early in his career. I know. Yeah, he I came, agree with that. Yeah, he I came with a, lot, with a lot of hype. But we thought it would take some time. And there, there were those whispers already of bust before he got there. Which is funny to me. Because what do we really know? But people were saying that. Rasheem Green has been really good. You know, uh, uh, not Leonard Williams' freshman year good. But... Where, you know, he he was a rotational player, and if they didn't have four seniors, he would have been starting, and he would have been fine. And now he will start, and I think he'll be very good. And he actually has the most experience. If you look at playing time, he would be the guy that has played the most. Okay, after him, it's a big question mark. 
Jacob Daniel, nose tackle, hasn't played a lot, has made, a, I think, a, a fairly good impression in spring, but it's still early. Then you got Malik Dorton, another defensive tackle, who has kind of grown into that position. He was an end coming in. And I thought he's always been... He's shown flashes in practice. He's always been a guy that can make plays. Maybe when you're not expecting it, he would pop in and out of the picture. Now he's going to get full-time work. And sometimes that's all you need. You need to be on, on the field on a regular basis. Noah Jefferson was out this past week because of a, a lingering back issue. That's a big deal to me. If, if he can't go, if he's not... If he's not available regularly, I think then you're getting really shorthanded. But if Noah can play, then I think you know there's a little bit of hope there. Kevin Scott, also another guy that's going to get a lot of reps right now, needs a lot of reps. He came in, he was a project. And I thought he looked good at the end of practices late last year uh, during the bowl, week, the bowl weeks. Now... He'll be out there regularly. That's good for him. I mean, he people like him were probably already going to get get snaps in practice, but now they're getting them regularly. So him and maybe a, a Christian Rector, who we haven't seen a lot of, Liam Jimmins. So they don't have any depth, basically. Yeah, that's, that's why outside yeah. of the Trojan bubble, I would even think that losing kind of big... Losing Kenny Bigelow is a big deal. Yeah, depth-wise, they're, they're in trouble. And they, they bring in Josh Fatou in the yeah, fall. But um, like, I, mean, I don't see anybody else right now that can move there. Uh, I remember talking to Blair, the Dirty Bruin, and Gulo about Connor Murphy because that's who he scouted before. Uh, He's not a DT He's yeah, he's a, good, he's could be down the line, but not right now. Yeah. No, they don't. They're there's they have troubles depth wise. What were you there. That's going to say? I was going to say they have troubles depth wise. Yeah, there. you're going to say something else. Uh, well, yeah, I was, but I caught myself. Uh, it's not good. This was the position where they couldn't lose anybody, and they lost. You know, I would say their number one or number two guy at that spot, right? Him or Rasheem Green. Those are really the two. And that's kind of scary to think about even then, you know? And uh, and they lost they lost Bigelow. I think it's huge, even outside of the Trojan bubble, like you said. I would think it's a really big deal for them. I think it is going to be a big deal. I asked Helton if uh, there was anybody he could move, and he actually responded with... Uh, well, we're going to run a lot of nickel. So so that I, means no. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, though, you know, they did run a lot of nickel in, in uh, the last time Clancy Pendergast was here. It was like a lot. It was it was almost like they were in a four two five. you know. So yeah. maybe that does help them a bit. But I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I... This was one guy. I think you, you know they probably could have lost somebody at any other position, and it would have been bad. But I think this was the biggest deal 
that they could have suffered besides like losing a Juju Smith or a Dory Jackson. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know that. I mean, <clears throat> I think it could be that, but I think it's just premature because Bigelow hadn't arrived yet himself. I think everybody wanted it to happen. And and maybe it would have happened. You know, it, it's not far-fetched, but he hadn't done anything yet. I get that, but sometimes when defensive linemen get a chance to play, they play well. I think of Greg Townsend. We could have said the same thing about him, you know, but when he was in there, he made an impact for them. He wasn't indispensable. Um, they, they had more depth last year. Yeah. So that's the problem. They don't have a lot of depth. But if they're gonna, if they're gonna have two interior linemen, then you know, and occasionally three. It's not they can't they can't play three at all. But if they're going to rely on two, they have two. The real problem is they should have brought in more in this signing class, and we said that we said that going in that they needed more, and they parted ways with Keyshawn Camp. Do you know the deal there? Do you know what really why it didn't happen with him? They parted ways with him. Yeah, he didn't, so they, he didn't they choose him Pittsburgh. Yeah, they, he didn't choose Pittsburgh over USC late okay. in the game for no reason. He told me two weeks before he decommitted that he wasn't going to take any visits. He's done. He's gone to USC. Okay. They're going to bring. They're going to bring in a bigger name. So I think they did too. If you look at how they filled out their class, you know, I think they. You mean did a bigger right. name in in general? Uh, with the signing class. Yeah, or a bigger name at getting bring in a. I mean, and Josh Fletcher is a bigger name, name at tackle. No, I, I get that. Uh, I'm, yeah, I think they just had to make some room, though. And he, you know, uh, Keyshawn Camp wasn't a top defensive tackle. Right. I mean, so they weren't good, as high on. Yeah, well, he was towards the bottom of that class talent wise. That's mm-hmm. just this. That's the reality. I mean, and the thing is too is we talk about hey, they should have brought more defensive tackles, and that's probably true, but it's hard to find good defensive tackles. Yeah. That's the thing. These guys didn't really exist. You know, I mean, we all have opinions, and I know I've talked to you before about how I think that they should reach sometimes and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe take a guy that they don't feel like lives up to their standards just because they need depth. But I understand why you wouldn't do that because, you know, there's a point where you're thinking, this is going to be a wasted scholarship. He'll never play. Yeah, you know, if if everything goes right, he's only playing if, you know, things are going really badly for us. Well, there uh, there's always the option of trying to get maybe a graduate transfer or some other kid as a blue shirt. I don't I don't know who who's really uh, on the table for that option, but they can do that. They, they could bring someone in, kind of like how they brought in Taylor McNamara last summer. Yeah. I don't know. That, I feel like that would be tough. We'll see, but we'll see. I'm sure, they're, I'm sure they're looking. We will see. Oh, yes. There you go. There's Chris Morales. Well, I was letting you guys do the Big Bigelow conversation. Just chilling back with my Big Bigelow team, my man. I know. Wait, we're I, thought, get to, uh, I thought you would throw something in about oh, Bigelow, oh, your oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know he's your boy. I, I didn't know that, but maybe now he is. Now that he's hurt <laughs> and there's a, a story of misery, now I can get into it. All right, uh, we're going to talk pro days in just a, a moment. But first, 
we dial up the satellite phone. On the TrojanSports.com podcast now, ready for Houston sports radio legend and from NFL Network and NFL.com. Friend of mine, I don't know friend of the show, but we'll call him a friend of mine, the one and only Lance Zerwine. Lance, thanks for joining us, bro. I appreciate it. How you doing? Beautiful. So we are ready for the NFL draft in about a month now. And the big question that seems to be that everybody is is looking at and distracted with is, is Cody Kessler even going to get drafted at the NFL draft? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you look at the history of the draft and how many players are usually drafted. I mean, from a, from a draft, um, you know, from the average quarterbacks drafted, yeah, I would say Cody Kessler is going to get drafted. He deserves to get drafted. Um, it, did he live up to the the hype surrounding him entering the season? No, but some of it was unfair. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He didn't have the biggest arm, and I didn't think he necessarily handled, you know, pressure in the pocket as well as maybe he could have. But he still throws a pretty accurate ball. He still can, you know, deliver it on time whenever he's protected in the pocket. His problem is he'll look the part one game or one series, and then it will kind of fall apart on him from time to time. But, um, you know, as far as when you when you look at it, he doesn't have the, the measurables that get you really excited, but he's a steady quarterback, and I do think he'll get drafted on the third day. The third day. So that would put him probably sixth, seventh round, you think? Yeah, I would say fifth would probably be the earliest for him. And then, um, you know, would, would, because I think once you start looking at fifth round, once you really once you start looking at fourth round, but certainly by fifth round, you're looking for one of two things, either solid backup quarterback types or guys with some, some traits that you think can, you know, potentially be, um, you know, developed into a a starting quarterback down the road. I would say Kessler falls into the first category where he has the looks of an NFL backup quarterback that if he continues to develop and he gets protection and, you know, everything's right for him, that maybe he could have a chance to come in uh, and start for you if you need it. But I don't, I don't see him as a long-time starter uh, in the league. But I do think he has enough there's, – there's enough tools there as a starter and enough tape to warrant being selected in the draft. But, but once again, that's going to be as a backup quarterback, and that's how teams are probably going to view him. Right, right. Lance, what, Cody, what do you think is his best quality – Oh, that's a good question. I think, you know, for me, one of the things that I, you know, that I kind of liked about him when I watched him on tape was that his accuracy, his baseline accuracy is good. I think he's he's solid in terms of when he drops back and he's protected, he delivers it where he wants to. Um, and I think that's on the on the intermediate throws. That's that's kind of what I like about him is that when he's got time to throw, <clears throat> he's going to throw the ball where he wants to throw it. I think his ball placement and accuracy is something that teams will like. It's something that I like, and it's something that I think shouldn't be frowned upon just because he didn't have the biggest arm or he's not Mr. Mobility. You know, his ability to, to, to throw the ball where he wants to, I think is a big deal. Um, I think he gets through his progressions relatively quickly as well and can, can, can read a full field if need be. So he's got some experience in some pro-style offense, which I think is a, a big deal headed into the NFL because so many teams come from these schemed-up offensive packages where plays are called from the sideline, adjustments are made from the sideline. It's just all about tempo, 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 tempo. Uh, Cody Kessler's got a background in a more traditional type of offense. 
Lance Irwin from NFL Network and NFL.com with us. Okay, another name on the board that should be going a lot earlier that everyone's looking at is Sua Cravens. Early on, mock drafts seem to have him maybe possibly falling into the last part of the first round, possibly second round. Now seems like he's drifting possibly into the third round. Yeah, I think he, was, he wasn't helped out by, um, you know, I, I think people expected more from his combine. Uh, frankly, and I think that's one of the reasons why. I'm not sure that he's an, as explosive an athlete as, as you're going to like. And, and some teams are going to have a look. I, I think he can play weak side linebacker. I don't see him as a as a safety personally. I, I mean, unless you have a scheme for him and you have a plan for him. And I think that's the problem with Sue Cravens is it's it's kind of a funny catch twenty. It's it's kind of a catch twenty two. You have to have a scheme for him. To, to succeed, but teams who do have a scheme are going to, I think, use him appropriately, and I think he's going to be a good NFL player. I like him, but the problem is because he's not a, a classic fit as a linebacker or as you know a dual safety who can play high or low, who can cover all over the field, he's kind of a specialist. So in that regard, it's going to hurt his draft stock a little bit because there are going to be some teams who say, well, he's a specialist. He doesn't really fit what we do or what we're looking for. So I think that could hurt him. It will limit the amount of teams who will be looking at him. On the flip side of that, the teams who will be looking at him will have a definite idea of how they want to use him, what they want to do with him. They'll have, as we say, a plan for him, and I think that will benefit him. So while you know his draft stock, he, he could slip into maybe the third round potentially, I think the team who takes him will know what they want to do with him, and that's going to be a great benefit to uh, Sua Craven. So I think ultimately, I think he's got a chance to outplay wherever he's drafted. I just know this. He's fearless. He makes a ton of plays. Um, he's incredibly productive, and I-, I like the fact that you can use him all over. He's got great instincts. I mean, he's got really, really good instincts. He's just a good football player, and this is where you nitpick, guys. This is the time of year in March and especially April, where you start nitpicking. Well, he's not this. Well, he's not this. Well, he's not this. Well, he could do this better. And then once the draft's over and and the draft slotting is forgotten about and you go dress up and you go out to OTAs and then you go out to camp, what's going to happen is somebody's going to say, man, this Sue Craven's a hell of a football player. Boy, I think we got something here. I can't believe we got him, you know, wherever the pick is that they're going to get him. So I think he's one of those guys that immediately a coach is going to say, wow, I think we got something here with Sue Craven's. I'm I'm a little bit miffed by by how his stock is falling because I don't think it was a surprise the way he performed at the Combine or at Pro Day. If you've watched him at all over the last three years, he's never been a world-class athlete. And so my question is, do you think in light of that, he should go higher, that his his value as an NFL player is late first round? Uh, no, your value is what your value is. I mean, look, I can love a guy and say his value is in the fourth round and he's going to be a really good football player. Value is determined really by a lot of times by your tape partially, but also your physical attributes. I can tell you that Scooby Wright, I think, is one heck of a, a college linebacker who's got tremendous productivity. But if you can't, if you don't run well from the linebacker spot, you know, that's that, that's going to hurt your draft stock. You, you can't take a guy who doesn't run well in the first round at linebacker. You look at Sua Cravens, and we're sitting here talking about some teams don't see him as a linebacker. Well, how many safeties who run borderline four seven zero 
are going to go in the first round. I'll tell you, zero, <laughs> zero percent yeah. safeties are going to go in the first round if they right. run a four six nine. Have a very low vertical leap for a guy who's supposed to be, you know, um, well, you like like you said, he's not considered a great athlete. But let me tell you what what stands out to me: the three cone drill at a six point nine two. That's a fast time. It shows his change of direction. It shows his ability to stop start quickly. And I think that, you know, and, and move fluidly with his hips. And that's what I like a lot. But if you want to be a first-round guy, you need, to, you need to tie together the tape with physical attributes. And that's the problem. Do you want to know why he's falling? It's because the tape's there, but the physical attributes aren't there. So when you try to sell somebody to your general manager, it's a much harder sell saying, yeah, listen, we know this guy's too, too a little bit smaller than he should be a linebacker. But we'd still like to take him early because, you know, he makes a lot of plays. Well, how big is he? Well, he's going to be about 15, you know, 10 pounds lighter than most of the linebackers out there. Or, or hey, we'd love to, to play him at safety. Okay, well, what, you know, can he cover? Can he play high and low? No, he's really just a box safety who makes a bunch of plays. He doesn't, he's not very explosive in terms of his, his measurables, and he's not very fast. Well, that doesn't sound like a good, you know, that doesn't sound like a very good sales tactic. You know, so I think... The reason he's dropping potentially, the physical attributes don't match up to the to the draft value in the first fifty picks, but the tape does. So what I'm gonna do is I've got a grade on him of what I think he's going to become, and that's higher than where his draft stock is gonna be because I don't care ultimately where he gets drafted. I care what kind of football player he's gonna be. Right. Hey, Lance, I got a question for you about a, another interesting USC guy, uh, Max Turek. Uh, he was a guy, big-time guy coming out of high school, but, you know, injury last year, moved positions. How do you kind of see him fitting into the NFL, and where do you see him going? Yeah, you know, I like I like Max, but we, we, I got to see, and I got to call some NFL teams and find out, you know, exactly what his, uh, what his health looks like and, and what the, the medicals are on him because he's athletic. I think he's got pretty good strength for his size, and, and I know that he's he's put on some weight over the years, which is very, very important. The more tape you watch on Max, the more you'll start to like him, especially last year. I didn't like the way the tape started for him, but as the season went on, you could tell he learned his position better. He started to understand angles, and he started to understand the position of how to win through leverage and technique as opposed to worrying about power because he's never going to win the power battle. That's not, you know, That's not really who he is. But if he could fill the body out better, then he's going to be in good shape. And, yeah, I do think he has to be a center. I don't see any other position for him. But um, I see him kind of as an Evan Mathis type from who you know, had many good years with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's kind of on his last legs now. I think he's athletic like that, can play on the interior, will be a good fit for his own scheme team, provided he's healthy enough to do that. But if he is healthy enough and the movement skills are there, to me, Max is a guy who – um, I think it's the forgotten one of the forgotten members of this year's draft class in the center class that, you know, has some has some decent talent up at the top, but really starts to trail off after that. I, I still hold Max in pretty high regard, and I think somebody if he does end up falling, which there's a good chance he will, I think there's a chance somebody could end up getting a steal with him if they put him in the right scheme. They're about a dozen other. Trojans that are eligible for the draft. I didn't know if there was anybody to you that stood out that might be underrated, that might get drafted late or not at all, but you think could be a, a decent pro. Um, I'm not a big fan of Trey Madden's. Uh, Seymour's got the athleticism and the numbers, but 
well, he's got the, the testing numbers, but I didn't see it on tape. I don't think he's as good as the, the tape shows. Uh, I thought Simmons, to me, I, you know, Simmons, I think he could end up being a little bit better pro player than he was a college player. He's a try-hard hustle guy. But I think if he finds the right system and the right scheme, he might he might be a little bit more effective um, than, for example, Antoine Woods. And I know some people get excited about Woods, but I don't see any. I just don't see a player that I think is going to have much of an impact from the interior. And I don't think Simmons is going to get drafted, by the way. But I think as an undrafted free agent, um, he's got some interesting size and could end up as like a five technique, three four defensive end for a team. I guess the one guy that I would tell you I consider to be that that more of a sleeper type is Cody Kessler because a lot of people are down on Kessler right now and they're not talking about him. But I actually see somebody who has some, you know, that's a big trait, accuracy. That's something that is slept on a little bit too much because of size and arm strength. But in reality, throwing the ball where you want to throw it and coming out of a pro-style offense, you know, in a pro-style approach, that's a big advantage for Kessler. So I think, I think Kessler could end up being a little bit better quarterback. And this is all relative. I don't think he's a starter, and I do think he's a backup. But I, I think that he could end up being a good value selection for a team who's looking for a quarterback with some intelligence and who could come in and, and, and potentially learn an offense very quickly and start giving you some good backup reps in camp relatively early. Lance Irvine from NFL.com, NFL Network. Lance, I know you got to go, but I just want to ask you real quick, because none of us got to watch much North Dakota State football uh, over the last season. Mm-hmm. How great is Carson Wentz? Is it all real? Uh, some of it is, is faith. It's, it's faith that he'll continue to develop. I mean, look, show me tape where he dominated or even played at a really high level against – against quality a quality secondary you, you're not going to find it it's just it's not his fault so what's happening is a lot of people are projecting him based on what they saw on tape i had a first round grade on him from the very first time i did him so i mean i clearly think he's a player he's got size he's got mobility he's a full field reader meaning they ask him to read the entire field he goes through his progressions because i think what's really happened with with carson wentz is People see the physical things that they really like, and then they meet him, and then they put him on the board, right. and they take him through the paces, and they realize he's smart. He is very poised, not only in the pocket, but also in, in t- he feels like, and I had a chance to interview him at the Senior Bowl, it feels like you're talking to a 25, 26-year-old NFL veteran. I mean, it's very strange that he's that, he's that advanced with, with, with you know his personality, and I think that's really where he's made his mark. Yeah, you see the physical, but the other the other side is that, that Carson Wentz really feels like the face of a franchise to a lot of teams right now. But, once again, if you're going to watch tape, the tape is very good, but it's still against limited competition, and you better know that that first year, he needs to be sitting the first year. He, he really doesn't need to be playing much at all as a, as a rookie because he's got to... He's got to learn. You know, the, the, he's got to he's got to really get a feel for NFL passing windows because they're so much tighter than what he faced in the FCS level. And I think if you ask him to play right away, he's got a very average arm, in my opinion. And so, if you ask him to play right away, he's liable to throw some balls that, that used to be completions on the FCS level to turn into interceptions because he's just not used to the speed of the NFL. That's why I think he has to sit for a year. And, and here's if you could have, go ahead, Adam. I'm if sorry. you have one, yeah, if you could have one quarterback from the draft, who would you take? 
Um, it depends on the situation I'm in. I mean, if you tell me I've got to build around him, probably Wentz, just because he's got the upside to be a franchise quarterback. If you tell me I've got a pretty good team right now and, and I, I need a, a signal caller who can come in and start playing right away, let's just say a, a Denver Broncos. You know, I'd say Jared Goff because I think Goff is is the most pro-ready player right now. So, you know, depend on really what you're looking for. But once you get past those two guys, Paxton Lynch is a real wild card. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. It's a better crapshoot than it was last year in the middle rounds, uh, but a crapshoot nonetheless. Awesome stuff. Lance Irvine from NFL Network, NFL.com. Thanks, bro, for joining us. I have told the guys your ultra ego, and we keep it usually just for the radio side when you're entertaining, but we got to get you back on mm-hmm. before the Alabama game, SC Alabama, to do, S- <laughs> to do SEC guy, because yeah. it's what you're famous for on the, on the radio side. All right, bro, thank you so much. Okay, we'll see you again. Thanks, Lance. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. That was good. So I'll come out of, the, come out of that. Um, and then set up could, to pro day. Yeah, we could we could just uh, mention it real quick. We're gonna have a comment on it, and we're gonna move on. Awesome. Three, two, one. There you go, Lance Zerwine from NFL Network, NFL.com. Follow him on Twitter at Lance Zerwine, uh, and we'll spell it out: Z I E R L E I N. And like I mentioned, he's uh, very entertaining in morning radio uh, in Houston. And then uh, very much uh, a respected draft analyst now with NFL Network and NFL.com. He's the kind of guy that just watches tape for the fun of it. You know what I mean? Not the kind of tape that Chris yeah. Swanson usually watches for the fun of it, but, uh, but literally just watches film all day, and that's why he knows so much. And I like that he was giving a little love to Cody. And what I was going to say <laughs> before you jumped in there with your final thing, which is cool, but Cody Kessler, while he didn't perform like we all wanted him to at times, and it was, deba- it was a debacle at times, Still, you've got to give him credit for the nights like against Utah. When Utah was the number three school in the country, it's prime time, it's Saturday night, and he stepped up. And when a guy like Carson Wentz, who, again, is playing the equivalent of a, of a high school team from Los Angeles uh, on a Saturday, how, do you give, how, do you, how can you analyze that? That's, what, that's the one thing that I get annoyed with with some of the draft stuff. Not that Cody Kessler deserves to be a first-round pick, but still, give the, give the kid a little bit of credit. Yeah, that game was in the afternoon against Utah. But it was nighttime. <laughs> but the later hours, remember. Remember, it was the fall. So it went into no, the sunset. Not that one. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Thank know, you, Chris. It, I guess there is the remote possibility that Cody really had awful protection and was running for his life and therefore was poor in so many ways. But um, I was surprised uh, to hear his appraisal of his accuracy. I didn't think that was a particularly strong trait of of Kessler's. But I said it last week, Lance knows a lot more than I do. And uh, I guess we'll see with what happens with Cody Kessler. Um, I'm surprised even to think that he would get drafted in the fifth round. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that if there is uh, any action on him, it will be late. I am thinking seventh round. There you go. Did you notice that Lance disagreed with almost everything we said last week, though? Yeah, that's why yeah. I wanted to have him on. Yeah, it's perfect. I love it. Ignore but, last week's show. No, it's good. I mean, <laughs> because, again, we, we are in that bubble. We 
hone in on USC all the time. And sometimes I think that makes us more aware of someone's uh, strengths and weaknesses, but also maybe we lack perspective sometimes. And when I asked about Sula Craven, I, I said the word value, and I guess that was a buzzword for him. But if you remember, he came back and he said, I would grade him higher than maybe where he would get drafted. And that's, I think, the point I was trying to make is that isn't he more deserving of a higher grade than where they're putting him? Because I think his uh, his value in the NFL, meaning his, his production level, will be higher than a third-round guy. Well, and here's the thing. That's why I wanted to have Lance on because I think last week, you know, again, this is my first foray of doing like a rivals type show and being in this world where I'm exposed constantly that I don't know that much about recruiting. But I have been around guys like Lance for 12 years in sports radio that are draft guys that actually spend time reviewing the draft, preparing for the draft and have, you know, hopefully move on like Lance has to a career with NFL Network and NFL.com where when you look at the quarterback class, that's why I think Cody's going to get a little bit of credit because you just look at the class. People need quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a, you know, our world is yeah. ripping. We we're all USC. We're all watching it. We all have tons of uh, tons of negative on the guy, but a lot of people are just watching film. Remember, they're not watching the USC games. They're not watching Pac-12 games. They're concentrated on the SEC or they're concentrated on something else on a Saturday. Um, so that's where maybe he has a hope to get to sneak into the sixth round. So. There you go. Yeah, I think I, when you pop the film, it's going to expose him. You know, though, I just want to say I really hope that the Kessler family has stuck through the show <laughs> for all <laughs> no, this time no, no. to hear us finally compliment him. Yeah, there so. you go. There you go. They, who, they, who were out, they were out in 2014 after <laughs> the Utah game, the other Utah game, the one under the lights. Is that the, the one? Was, is that the show that I pulled it out on? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> probably. Isn't that every show? Probably. Okay, quickly before we get on to the rest of the show here, we, uh, we do a pro day takeaway. We spent a lot of time, more time probably than needed, talking about pro days last week. So now it's time yeah. for the boys to give us their takeaway. Okay, well, yeah. I only had one big impression from this, and it was, um, I, I hate to just look at numbers, but that's all pro day is. And... You're looking at the USC linebackers 40 times. Not good. You have Sula. This is their best time. Sula ran a 4.65. He also ran about a 4.7. Then uh, Anthony Sorrow, 4.8. Lamar Johnson, 4.9. Those were three of your top four linebackers for a bulk of the year. They're slow. Yeah, they are, Adam. I mean, that's that was that was my takeaway too. Honestly, was the the first thing that popped into my head was maybe it wasn't Justin Wilcox. You know, I, I well, it wasn't about all it. Justin Wilcox. No, no, but that's the there, point. There was some that, Wilcox going on. Well, okay, Wilcox that's happened. fair. That's yeah. fair, too, to say, but I think that, you know, a lot of times all the blame gets placed somewhere, you know, on one guy. And, you know, before USC, he had a really bright career, and it was kind of surprising to me that, you know, the defense wasn't that good, uh, you know, when, you know, you get that kind of talent. And we found out that 
that talent didn't develop really, uh, at least in some positions or, you know, they, these guys weren't as athletically gifted as advertised or something, because I don't know what you're doing with a linebacker core like that. You're definitely not having a great defense with a linebacker core that's that slow. So that's kind of what popped into my head too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think we're, we're not shocked by how they performed at Pro Day, we weren't expecting a lot. We, we've been saying for months that this was not the uh, the ideal setting for uh, Sua Cravens. But I think as a whole, this team, for all the experience that it had, was physically limited. I mean, maybe that was something that we... Uh, we didn't consider enough going into last year. Um, I don't know. I think that we might have. I think some people didn't. I think most of the media didn't. You know, we kind of knew where they stood. Wouldn't you say that, you know, if you had predicted their record before last year? Yeah. We, we weren't in love with somewhere the in that ballpark. Yeah. We, weren't, we never were. And uh, they, had a, they had a tough time. At Pro Day, uh, they you know they, they had an okay season in the front seven, maybe even yeah. better than we thought. But yeah, no, I think so. So now it, it's almost the opposite with the with the front seven. We're gonna get into that later, but they uh, there's a lot more potential. I would say um, they're a lot more physically impressive. They just don't have hardly any experience. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you for the Pro Day takeaway. Uh, we take a quick break here on the TrojanSports.com podcast for a Monday. We're going to come back, see if Adam's got a bumper sticker, uh, what a quarterback competition talk quickly, and then we've got your questions, your Easter questions, apparently, from the message board at TrojanSports.com. It is the Trojan Sports podcast for a Monday. We're back in moments. You're listening to this week's edition of the TrojanSports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay, I, I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the TrojanSports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com Powered by Rivals. Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that, with a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And remember, everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan. From recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports.
hidden up a tree And I feel like I'm clinging to a cloud I can't understand I get misty just holding your hand Back on the Trojansports.com podcast, your Monday, March 28th, 2016. You're fresh off the Easter eggs, you're fresh off the Familia. Who knows what else you're fresh off if you're Chris Swanson. Uh, back at it, the boys, Chris Morales, Adam I, Chris Swanson. We have got your questions coming up from the message board at Trojansports.com in just a moment. But first... We see if over the holy weekend, Adam was able to put together a holy bumper sticker. The man who says holy a lot, Adam J. Maya, take it away. Yeah, this isn't going to be a real spiritual choice, but I'm going to give my uh, Trojan of the Week award to running back Justin Davis, who had an outstanding week of spring practice. And I I was trying to to describe him the other day and think of an adjective and I, I was having a hard time because um, he's not the electric guy that, that Ronald Jones is and I think because of that he's always slept on he's, he's always underrated and overlooked and and I started thinking about uh, you know just a, an NFL comparison not so much as a running back but just the way he's viewed sometimes and I thought about Chris Carter do you remember when Chris Carter when he would be referred uh, when, when his tagline was all he does is catch touchdowns mm-hmm. all Justin Davis does is run for first downs and that's indispensable to an offense especially for USC and uh, I, I think this guy is a real gamer and just a really great player that most people aren't aren't gonna appreciate until maybe he's gone or or maybe ever. But uh, but they certainly should. He's a he's a senior, and while I expect him and Ronald Jones to to really split the work this year, um, he's their leader. He's their their number one guy um, in many respects at running back. And uh, he showed that again this week. He does every week. I love the way Ronald's playing right now as well. But um, Justin Davis is um, just, I think think he just warrants maybe more attention and and appreciation. So I'm giving it to him. Beautiful. Thank you, Adamaya, for your bumper sticker. Where I I, got to be honest, before the show, I had odds that you were going to give it to Jesus. But that was a bet between Chris Swanson and I. So. Ross, <laughs> yes. yeah. this is not meant as a you know a guest or anything. But do you know who Justin Davis is? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. You I could have. I could have given the kind of rundown you just did. But I knew he played for yeah. USC. <laughs> I didn't. Know. I knew he, he made a lot of first downs. I wouldn't have given him. I wouldn't have taken the leap to compare him to Chris Carter just yet, unless you're talking about potential you know other stuff. But uh, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't have gone that far, but yeah, I knew who Justin Davis was. You knew, you knew that he was their starting running back? You knew that? Uh, I wouldn't have said starting, but I knew he was on the team, yes, on the offensive side okay. of the ball. Yeah, yeah. Okay, see, and that kind of proves my general point because you're not a diehard follower, but you're loosely paying attention. Mm-hmm. Loosely and, would be the key term. Yeah, and I, I think that many people would fall in the same boat as you. Where they 
they know his name. They they have an idea of what he does, but he's not Ronald Jones. No, Rojo, as we like to call him. Yeah, he's not Rojo. By the way, since uh, are we going to get another season of Rojo, or was he a senior? As we continue to show the things I don't know. Wow, <laughs> wow. That, that's impressive. What you just did right now. But he's Rojo not. Is- He's still a freshman. Oh, in see, school. see, that's even yeah. better. So we've got three more years of Rojo. Yeah. If we've got well, three I'm, more years of me doing maybe, this show, then something two. has gone incredibly wrong. Maybe two. Oh, that's our co-host, Chris Morales. <laughs> he doesn't know. Well, see, the way Morales I frame it up is, it's, it, this is like the Merv Griffin show. I'm the guy. I'm Merv Griffin. I'm more like the uh, probably the Kramer version of Merv Griffin from Seinfeld when they did the parody, but nevertheless, yeah. and I just and then you guys know everything. Yes. So all I really know how to do is get in and out of a, in and out of a segment. Once in a while, I'll watch a game and I'll throw some some stuff at you just to surprise everybody. But you guys are here. You guys are the entertainment. Adam Maya is my Ed McMahon. Well, love it. Now, now I'm thinking back to a moment ago when you were uh, singing the praises of Cody Kessler. Yes. And that doesn't bode well for him. Probably not, no. Given what, how much you're paying attention. But again, to what when, you know. but the, the, the one thing I will say is I watch probably every NFL game. Or I have to. Mm. Or I watch highlights mm. of every NFL game. And that is the key of what you're talking about when it comes to the NFL and the NFL draft. That is a world that I do have to pay a little more attention to. As you yeah. guys know, I've now, I will make a commitment to watch. Uh, it's not so much not watch. I watch a lot of USC football. It's just a more of a commitment on the recruiting side now that I officially am. See, now that we fired Blair... There was no chance. There was always that possibility that Blair was going to come back as host, and I was just filling right. out time to be a little we're bit more stuck. entertaining. Now we're really stuck. Yeah, you're full time now. So now us, I really got to try to pay attention a little bit more. Oh, we're speaking, like USC yeah. in 2013. Exactly. With exactly. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and that's how it comes all full circle to talk about quarterback competition. Yeah, it it's decent right now. Sometimes it doesn't feel like one because you're seeing Max Brown get nearly all of the first team reps, and you just think that he's their guy. I, I think he's their guy, and I think it's almost uh, almost a formality that spring will end and he'll be named the starting quarterback. I think that. He looked, he looked good this week. He looked better than, than uh, week one for sure. I thought he showed better command of the offense. Uh, they both did. They, they just looked more comfortable and, and further along than they did in week one. And because of all the installation that was going on in week one, it makes sense. I just thought that they would have already been maybe a bit more comfortable. At least I thought he should have been more comfortable right out the gate. He wasn't. But he had a better week. Then the scrimmage happened, and it was kind of blah. You know, it, it, was, it was ordinary, and and they weren't really moving the ball downfield. They were they were running the ball well, and and that was Justin moving the chains. But we didn't see much from Max. Sometimes scrimmages are written up like that. I, I remember that happening with Cody. Um, with the many scrimmages that he was a part of where um, it was intentional and he barely threw the ball. Remember last spring, he didn't even, he, he barely played in that scrimmage, but um, but sometimes you're not featuring the passing game. 
And so perhaps that was the the agenda. But um, but Darnold looked a little bit better. He only threw five times, so it wasn't like he was lighting it up either. So anyway, I'm just trying to give you a, a full picture of what's going on there. Um, I think there is this, I want to say misnomer, that Sam Darnold is this gunslinger and this playmaker and Max Brown is this really dull game manager. Chris Swanson, you were there a couple of days this week. Would you say that's a fair assessment of the two of them? No. No. Thank you. Well, but here's the thing is that, yeah, see, I think that this that there isn't really a competition. I, I said this before, you know, we really got into spring ball. It's Max Brown's job. The coaches are giving him the reps where it's his job, and Sam Darnold would have to do something incredible to prove that he's just on a different level as a quarterback than almost anybody else, and it's his, and nobody else should have it. That's not going to happen. That's not who Sam Darnold is. Well, it's not happening, at least. It's not going to, though. I'm just saying, like, with the number of reps that they're giving him, at least in my opinion, he would have to do something like, be like, oh, I have a 4-3-40 and nobody can catch me if I break away. Oh, I can throw the ball 70 yards downfield. Like, why aren't? Why am I not the guy? It has to be that obvious. It's not that obvious. He's not that freak quarterback that can do things like that. So not now. It's, no, and it, not now. And it's not, it's not going to be this year. You know what I mean? If ever. Really, I'm not saying he's bad. This isn't a knock on him. Max Brown doesn't run a 4-3-40. He doesn't throw out 70 yards down the field. I'm just saying, with the number of reps he's getting, he's not good enough to just blow Max Brown away in a small number of reps and say, it's my job. It's going to be Max Brown's job. Well, okay, the, the reps, they're not that lopsided. It's just more who they're working with. And that's what I always pay attention to at every position. Who are you working with? And Donald is primarily working with the second team. That, that's what I meant when I said yeah, reps was first right, with team. The first team. Okay, yes, okay. that's what I You're meant. Right. I, I know he's not standing in the corner doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I, that's, that's what I meant. My apologies yeah. for that. And another telltale sign is who gets to finish off that final challenge, the best of five at the end of every practice. And Darnold has been in there for a couple plays, but I would say Brown has gotten 90% of those. And, and that's where it is lopsided. Darnold, I talked to him, and he, he admitted that he still has a ways to go in terms of learning all the signals. And, and I think he, he just intimated that he's not there yet with the playbook, with the offense, with his understanding. And I think he'll get there in time, but for him to, to beat out Max Brown, he would already need to know that. I, I think with Darnold, we're seeing him make plays sometimes, uh, more exciting plays even, because he's having to improvise. And he's good at that. That's one of his strong suits. But that isn't what you want to see when you're the head coach, you're the quarterback's coach, you're the offensive coordinator. You want to see someone who knows how to carry out your offense and already knows all the reads and, and the protection and, and knows where to go with the ball. And Darnold sometimes initially doesn't 
and then he figures something out. Where Brown typically knows where to go. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big difference. It's a huge deal. I mean, when we're yeah. talking about live action, when we're talking about Saturdays in the fall, you have to know that. And, and in fact, that's probably the number one reason why they didn't play Brown over Kessler was because they knew that Kessler knew the offense. Where with Brown, it was more of a hope. But because they couldn't bank on it. And I, I think he did. I think that he would have accorded himself just fine. And I think because he's a better football player than Cody Kessler, he would have ultimately played better football um, if, if he had gotten some work. I think it would have happened quickly for him where he would have already surpassed him. But because they could rely on Cody week in and week out to to know the offense, they never were willing to take that risk. And so now it's, it's almost similar where I don't think they're going to be willing to take a, such a risk from Brown to Darnold because with Darnold, he hasn't been there very long. If they had both been there for the same amount of time, whether it was a year and a half or, or two years or three years, this competition might look very different. But with Brown's experience, I understand that you look to Brown as your guy. And he would really have to kind of botch his, his, uh, his spring practice to lose his job. And he's not doing that. Again, he had a quiet scrimmage, but he's not fumbling his job. I think he's performed at a, at a fairly high level. And um, I think he'll, he'll look even better each week. I thought he looked maybe 25% better in week two. And let's see how he does in week three. They've, they've done two weeks. They have three left. But I thought he looked really sharp a couple of those days. Beautiful. This past week. Good, yeah. st- good stuff, guys. All right. Uh, be sure, as we uh, get ready for questions from the message board, as you listen to the show, and if you're listening and you're not a subscriber to Trojansports.com, I'm not going to ask you what's wrong with you, but you know you want all the recruiting coverage that comes from the man, the myth, the legend, and his team, Chris Swanson. So it keeps you up to date. There's no doubt we're better than the rest. Just give us a try and find out. And if we're not, we'll have you on this show to explain why, because I want to hear it. So go to Trojansports.com. Uh, give a little bit of a, of a sample here as we uh, get into the spring ball and lead up for the season. Uh, try us out for a few months. Be sure to at Trojansports.com. Subscribe, because for no other reason, Chris Swanson needs some money. Why not? Here we go. Chris, anything, anything to I add like to that uh, to that great endorsement I just did? Uh, you're the best, Chris Morales, That's at quality. what you do. It was, well, I don't know. It was quality product, though, nonetheless. All right, time oh, yeah. for questions direct from the message board at Trojansports.com. We cue the music. Adam Maya. Happy Easter, everyone. Please leave any questions you have below. Thanks. David Wall, <laughs> our old friend, kicks us off. Back to the Adam versus Chris draft this week. That is true. It has become a theme. Uh, linebackers, please. As for basketball. Oh, so we're going to do linebackers. And then David says, as for basketball, what have you heard from those who saw practices about Louisville transfer? Shaquan Aaron. How good is he? And how likely is he to be a starter next year? And in baseball, 
When does Mitch Hart return? I think he's the key to a successful remainder of the season since the rotation has been spotty at best. Thanks, guys. And thank you, David, for knowing about the USC baseball rotation. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to go over this question again, too, I feel like, once we get through yeah, this. Gonna, I'll frame it up. I'll frame it up for you. So just start at linebackers. Yeah. All right. Um, Adam, would you like to draft first? Mm, all right. So I, I guess we're going to count the inside and outside guys. Yes. Okay. Does this uh, does this trickle into defensive ends a little bit too well, or no? They, right now they technically don't have defensive ends. Uh, I got you. That it? I got so, you. Yeah, people like Bakiku and Porter, we're calling them outside linebackers. Okay. Okay, okay. cool. Let's do it. So if we're, we're kind of measuring them on – their value at USC for the totality of their career. Yes. By that standard, I'm going to say Port Augustine won. Ah, that was my first pick, too. Darn you. I think um, it was kind of an obvious pick. Yeah, for number two, I'm going to go Cam Smith then, uh, just because of the, you know, the year he was having before he got injured last year. Yeah, and, and somehow, because I'm looking at the roster and I just looked right past Cam. I would have picked Cam number one. <laughs> oh, okay. You can flip it if you want. You can pick yeah, Cam. That's fine. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm kicking Cam. <laughs> All right, I'll take Port Augusta. Look how easy that is. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. okay. Go go again, Adam. Go for the fourth time. Well, they, they are the, the, the two obvious guys at the top, I would yeah. say. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now, now it's just a matter of preference. Man, okay. I'm, I'm kicking yeah, this too is hard. This is a hard one, though. Yeah. I know who I would pick. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with... All right, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Osama Okay. I think if he comes okay. back from his hamstring and has so much promise that I think... Uh, you know, he still has a lot of football to play. I'm going to go with Messina. Okay. Okay. Adam technically lost that draft pick though because the clock ran out i think that's how that works in the nfl <laughs> uh, you know what i'm gonna go chenonuusu i guess uh, i know he doesn't have that much time left um he might not be the biggest name guy he might not be the most talented guy but i like what i've seen from him uh you know just when he played last year a bit i think he has a chance to do some special things i'm gonna stick with him in this yep. pick here. Easy like to jump over. Yeah, but it's that easy my... to jump over him with one of these younger guys, too, I think. But I'm going to go with yeah. Nwusu. I was torn between him and Osa and my next pick. Wole Bakiku. Wow. And you know what? Bakiku is the kind of guy that can surpass everybody that we've named. He could end up being the most valuable of all these linebackers. Wow. Wow. Big time. Big time yeah, words from Adam Maya. a high ceiling. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go with another high ceiling guy right here. I'm going to go Connor Murphy uh, just because I think that he could have a big impact on the outside. I think he could also grow into a defensive end, too. I like his length. I think there's a lot of potential there. I think he's a guy that's going to end up playing. I think that that's, I just think eventually he's going to play. It kind of just has to work out that way. So I'm going to go Connor Murphy. Who... May end up on the defensive line. Yes. But for, for now, he's a linebacker. He, he's just he's going to start on the outside. Yeah. That's what they're okay. talking to him about. 
Right. All three is really um, So this game, I think, naturally favors younger people, especially when the older guys haven't played a lot. So because of that, uh, I'm going with John Houston, who, when healthy, I really like the way he's practiced. I just like, like the way he runs. And I like how, how broad-shouldered he is and, and the way he hits. I think he's well-rounded. And um, I think he can have a great career. Of course, we're waiting for him to play. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so now I'm going to go against the youth movement, pick the first upperclassman guy. I'm actually going to go with Quentin Powell. I know that might be a surprise for some, but, you know, he's looked good in practice. New spot. He sounds like, uh, you know, he's beginning to develop into, into, you know, a pretty good inside linebacker that he knows what he's doing. I, You know, it might be a situation where a couple guys come back from injury and Quinn Powell never really does anything for them. And I look stupid for making this pick, but from what I've seen in spring, I like him. And I'm going to go Quinn Powell. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not hating on over Olajuwon Tucker, who's a year younger, has played more than him, and is going to play this year and next year. I okay. I think you overlooked him, so I'm I'm going with Booty Tucker. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I just in practice right now. I'm seeing more Quinn Powell making plays, so you are. We can disagree. I am. am We can disagree. Um, after that, I'm going back to freshman Jordan Asafa. I think he's a sleeper. I think he's flying under the radar. Seemed like every time a school saw him in person, they offered him a scholarship. I'm taking Jordan Iosefa. All right. So we're getting toward the end here. Uh, Jabari Ruffin is my pick. Okay. Okay. Good pick. Um, I think here you got to pick Michael Hutchings. Um, I think that it's just... I don't know. It's just the obvious pick over the last two guys who are kind of having some issues right now. So I think that kind of just, you know, puts those two, Don Hill and Scott Felix, at the bottom, probably in a tie. Right? Or I don't know. Yeah, maybe, don't. I, I, maybe you I, take we, Hill because he's younger. But, we can't you know, even. Both, yeah. Can we drop them right now? I don't know. I don't even know. So, but if we I'm did, they'd be in it. Okay. We're not drafting them. So Hutchins is our last pick then. All right. Cool. Very good. Okay, quickly. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what the next question was. Yeah, so for Tactical basketball, Chris, question. have you heard from those who saw practices about Louisville transfer Shakir, Shaquan Aaron, excuse me? Shakira? No. I almost said Shakira. Sha- 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 Shakira Aaron, right? Um, you know what? Uh, the, the practices are closed. Uh, we're, not, we're not allowed to watch, and uh, they're closed for a reason. They're not going to give too much away, but everybody thinks that, that he's going to be a really good player. That's what the staff's saying. That's what you know, all the reports are saying. He, he's supposed to be really good. The one question I have about him is he left Louisville. And usually when a guy leaves, they're not as good as advertised. You know, he's not that four-star maybe that he was coming out of high school or there was some issue or, you know, something might be going on there. But I expect him to start for them next yeah. year. And he's going to start big, have a big as a third impact. guard. The third guard, I think, with McLaughlin and Jacobs, assuming that they're all there, I think Shaquan is the third guy. There you the go. Yeah. There you go, Shaquan. We don't know how good Wing. you are really, but – you know what? We'll be hopeful. Oh, right, Mitch Hart on the baseball side, Chris. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I, 
I've this is like the third week in a row uh, that, that I've said this. So I'm gonna say, I, you know, whatever. It's just what's going on. I've lost stuff going on. I've baseball's just kind of been brushed aside for me right now. I'm not paying attention to it at all. I'm not going to the games right now. I'm eventually gonna get back there, but I, you know, I'm every weekend I'm helping my family do stuff, helping them clean out stuff, and I'm just going I'm- through stuff and yeah. I, I can't i can't get there i'm trying to find an intern to go i'm having issues with issues with that and i just i can't pay attention right if now, you'd like so. to be the intern that goes to trojan sports baseball uh, yeah. or trojan oh, baseball yeah. no, and cover oh for trojansports.com yes, send us an email or a message to trojansports.com okay moving on in your what, question what, what email address i don't know they, email? they could just do it, it on the i believe that's adam at trojansports.com or is that maya at trojansports.com no, no. it's maya Maya at TrojanSports.com. Yeah. Okay, 102 uh, Deuce Island. Trojan, this is a new one. Freshman. A freshman like uh, Rojo was. What have you seen in practices and scrimmage from the quarterbacks in regards to spreading the ball around and targeting more than one receiver? Does it look like we might finally utilize all of our weapons? What good is having all these four- and five-star wide receivers when we only throw to one of them? That's a good point. It seemed to be a problem now for the past five years, even the tight ends. That's another question altogether. Shaking my head. SMH. Okay. I can answer this. Uh, are you shaking your head too, Adam? That? Adam, are no. you doing an SMH? No, I'm good. Okay. He's SMDH. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Um, they are. We we typically see that go. I, Cody typically did that in practice. Of course, he didn't during the games. Uh, another reason why I don't think he'll play in the NFL. But, uh, you expect to see that, and then Juju was out for two practices last week, so that always helps. I'm not going to tell you that they're definitely going to utilize all their weapons, because I don't think we know that until we see that in a game. I think Max Brown will, because I think that's who he is, though. And I'm expecting him, like I said, to, to be the quarterback. Someone like Dominic Davis were... We're still, it's still wait and see um, how involved he would be. I think he would be like a wrinkle on the offense that would be different than before. And even the tight ends, you could say that about. Um, I think you can you can have hope in that because uh, Brown likes to use them. Darnell likes to use them. We're seeing Taylor McNamara targeted way more than ever before, even for practice. And then Tyler Paquette has been out a little bit uh, because of a concussion. But um, Daniel Imatorbebe looked excellent the other day. And you guys might remember, I, I said this about him in training camp last fall. I thought he was their best tight end, even though he was transferring in and he was in the red shirt and he wouldn't be playing. And then he lost all of his reps after training camp. But when he got there, he's just a different guy. He's a different talent. Um, more explosive than even a Bryce Dixon. Um, just has a, an immaculate body, and I hope that doesn't sound weird coming out of my mouth. But um, <laughs> yes, it does. All right. Well, whatever, man. He he's he just he's a specimen, and and so I'm excited about him. Right now, he's still their third guy because Taylor's you know been the the lead guy. And even Tyler Petit, you know, with his experience. But I think he's someone that by 
you know, by the end of August, maybe he wins that job. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I think he can be a great player. And so I talk about him because I think ultimately it's going to come down to to people showing up and for, for Brown to, to have options. I think with the receivers, we haven't really seen maybe the growth that we need to see from some of the other guys around Juju. So that's why it's hard to, to bank on, on Brown having everything that we think he has, you know, and, and using it and, and using the whole field. But I, I think he will because that's his tendency. Um, I don't see a go-to guy, though, behind Juju. And I think that even someone like Daniel Mutorbebe can evolve into that. All right, there you go, Adam. Thank you. Hey, Mutt one. My question is for Adam. I like how you were keeping it real about the team the last podcast. See, Adam, we always tell you people like that. You get nervous, but keep thank it you. real. Hey, Mutt, thank you for complimenting Adam. Now he'll be okay. You had mentioned the team didn't look bigger and wasn't that much more physical. After week two, do you feel the same way? Okay, well, they were playing more physical this past week because they were in pads. I believe two out of the three days they were in full pads. Um, which I think that's normal. I, you know, the, they're going to be in pads for 10 of the 15 practices, and, and that's no different than the, the year before or the year before that. But are they a more physical team? I, I won't go so far as to say that right now. I don't, I don't think we know that. I think another element in terms of the defense, if we're talking about them, is that they're missing a lot of guys. And this is my concern more than Bigelow being out for the year is that you're going throughout through spring without Chris Hawkins, Adore Jackson, Achille Ross, Cam Smith, now Bigelow, um, Osa Messina has been out for two weeks, Noah Jefferson. Who am I forgetting? Chris, are you there? The, guy, the suspended guys? I don't know. Yeah, there, yeah, forgetting? no, there you go. Thank you. I, I, I didn't know if you were still there. Don Hill, Scott Felix. That's a lot of guys that are either in a, in a starting lineup or in a rotation or that you're trying to develop. And so they don't they don't have the numbers. That they, oh, John Plattenberg is another one who's been out for a week. Uh, Leon McQuay goes two out of three days. They don't have the numbers that they need to even be as physical as they want. So I, I think that that hurts when you have a new defensive coordinator who's bringing in a new defense. And while it's probably not as complicated as what Wilcox is doing, or it doesn't seem to be over their heads, um, it's taking some getting used to. Pendergast said that he could tell that some of the things that he's trying to teach them are foreign to them. And they're going to need time. And that's even with the people that have been there, even with the defensive backs that are coming back, they're still trying to figure things out. So those are the things I think that matter more than even being more physical in spring. But, um, yeah, after week two, do you have any feeling about that, about the physicality, Chris Swanson? 
No, because I think that the premise is silly that this coaching staff comes in and that the last two coaches never had physical practices and now that they've decided to do it. Football's a physical game. They do have physical practices all the time, no matter who the coach is. I haven't se- There's been no evidence to me to say, oh, this team is clearly more physical than they have been in the last two years. Oh, this coaching staff is obviously emphasizing physicality more than the last two coaching staffs. It's silly. It's just not true. Yeah, you Honestly. might hear that or read that uh, elsewhere, and uh, I wouldn't buy it because I don't think we know that yet. No, I mean, it's it's spring. It's yeah. spring. If they if they go through the season and they go ten and two and they have a defense that holds teams under fourteen points a game and under three hundred yards a game, I'll say, hey, they're a more physical team. If they're running, if their offensive line's running guys over, and and you know Justin Davis is breaking big runs because of it, I'll say they're more of a physical team. I can't tell in spring practice in two weeks when they're going up against each other and they've been in pads like well like five times. It's just silly. Yeah, four, it's made up storylines. It's made up storylines to get people interested. It's ridiculous, honestly. There you go. That's my little we, rant. But it's, we it's talked really to, silly. Yeah, remember we talked to Ronnie Bradford and. He made it clear, I don't know the strengths or the weaknesses of my team yet, and I'm, I'm still learning them, and they're, they're doing a lot of teaching. You know, I, I will say that that is a big emphasis, and they are not rushing anything, and I, I think that's encouraging, but they're not out there flying around yet. That's just not happening, and I don't expect a lot of that um, until, you know, after training camp. And we continue along on the message boards at trojansports.com. Time to pull the curtain back just a little bit. Uh, we just took a, bro- a break. You didn't take a break while listening. I know you wish you did. But we took a short break. Chris Swanson had to leave. I had to uh, tend to some other business matters. And we bring you back now. It- it's like it never happened. Okay, It's like the Twilight Zone. Instead, though, Chris Swanson isn't here. He got wished away to the cornfields. And it's just Adam I and Chris Morales continuing along with the questions. And we go to Drew Fight On. Great job, guys, as always. Since the key to Clancy's defense is solid linebacker play, who do you expect to start as the linebackers, edge rushers in week one against Alabama? And who do you expect to win the job by the end of the season? Also, what do you make of the Darian Clark and Malik Martin transfers? They seem like the two key guys we need for next year, as they weren't afraid to mix it up and get tough rebounds and didn't require a lot of shots. What happened and how do we replace the physical play we lost but sorely need next year? Oh, and what's your favorite ice cream flavor? I'm a vanilla. I like a vanilla. I like a Hagen Dawes vanilla. That's, That's it. it. That's it. I'll put. Some, I'll do a Sunday like Tony Soprano at night. Put some uh, put some sprinkles on there. I like sprinkles. I like rainbow sprinkles, not chocolate yeah. sprinkles, not chocolate sprinkles. Just rainbow sprinkles. Uh, some nuts, chopped nuts, whipped cream, real whipped cream, like like you know the real whipped cream, not Cool Whip. Yeah. And uh, a little chocolate sauce. I don't mind a little chocolate sauce on top. Vanilla though. And I'll put a, sometimes I'll put a cherry if I have cherries on on me. Because I like to make an old, I like to make my own old fashions. I, I'm really mm-hmm. letting a lot of personal information here lose. So sometimes I do have a jar of cherries in the refrigerator. So I'll throw a cherry on there too. Yeah, I've never heard you <laughs> so put passionate. A, put about a cherry anything. on top, my friend. Yes. Okay. I like jamoka almond fudge. Of course you do. There's no way you couldn't make it so complicated. I've never <laughs> even heard of that flavor. Where do you get that? Is that something you can buy at the grocery store? <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, exactly. Leave it to Adam Maya to pick an ice cream flavor that you can't get normally at a, at a Ralph's or a Pavilion's. But, the, uh, of course. So what brand makes the best well, whatever it is you just said? I would get it at, at Baxter Robbins as a kid. They had it there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was one of their 31. 
So do you have to go? Do they have it in the tub that you can I buy a basket? I haven't been to Baskin-Robbins in a very long time. So you haven't eaten this ice cream in a very long time? Not really. Okay. So if, <laughs> I, if your wife was to look at you tonight and say, I feel like ice cream, what would you do? Uh, and what sherbet. flavor would it be? Sherbet. Okay. So you would go to the store and you'd get sherbet. Yeah. Okay. Or I get gelato. I don't know. I, I don't know <sighs> what I do. Gelato. <laughs> now people are going to ask us next week what our favorite gelato is. Thanks. <laughs> All right. All right. How about we talk about the linebackers? I love a good linebacker. Go ahead. Okay. Well, okay. I, I've updated the depth chart, um, so be sure to check that out. Okay. Right now, we're seeing Michael Hutchings and Quentin Powell as the inside guys, and then Porter and Uchenna on the outside. I think. For the opener, I mean, it's, we're still a ways away from that. A lot can happen, but assuming that everybody in the mix is available, I would think that Porter and Uchenna would continue to be the the starters there. And then inside Cam, and then at weak side, I don't know. I don't know that it would be Quentin Powell. I'm expecting Messina to to play a role there, although Quentin to maybe that he could play inside or outside, which I thought that myself. But Messina was an impression that he would play inside, and then John Houston is another guy that hasn't done a lot yet, but I think could potentially be the guy there uh, at weak side linebacker, or even Elijah Tucker. I think he could probably play either. And um, if they think that he's the second best inside linebacker, then maybe he would be the guy opposite Cam Smith. So it's hard to say, but I'm going to go with Cam and Porter and Uchenna for sure. And then weak side is up in the air. By the end of the year, which I, I like those questions because you're, you're asking me who I think will blossom. I think by the end of the year, we're seeing Messina in the starting lineup. And so him and Porter and Uchenna still and Cam. I think Messina will be one of their top linebackers by the end of the year. Okay, and now how about the uh, basketball information, Mr. Sherbert? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't call them key guys. They did not play a lot this year for a reason. And they're returning almost everybody or, or basically everybody. I don't think it's a huge deal. I think it's overblown. I think that um, some of the things that you heard Enfield say about Gary and Clark at times were to make him feel better about not playing a lot. And he kept pointing to the fact that he was one of the most productive rebounders per minute, but he played like five minutes a game. So, or, or maybe it was, you know, eight minutes a game, but really then. How important is that if he's not playing that much? So I think Clark would help coming back, but if he decides to go for a, a different situation and it's better for him, that's fine. And uh, I mean, we barely saw Malik Martin. I, I didn't make much of this. I think it's natural that when you, when you have a, a veteran team and they're on the rise 
people that aren't in the fold are going to be upset and they're going to want to go. You know, it happens every year with uh, with every team, any sport. And so, um, I don't know. I I know that they need to be more physical uh, in, in the front court, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't think that Gary and Clark and Wake Martin were the key to to winning a conference next year. All right, there you go. Thank you, Mr. Meyer. Uh, continuing along here, your questions, TrojanSports.com, B22 writer. Hey, guys, thank you for the great podcast every week. Y'all are the – should I say it? Do uh, I dare? Do you want me yeah. to say it? You, do you want me to say it? We're, we're killing the competition, is what he said. I wanted to say it, though. First question for Adam. Have you seen any shuffling with the linebackers moving from inside to outside and vice versa? Where has Buda Tucker been playing, and how has he looked? Second question for Chris Swanson, who's not here, but we'll try. Of the recent local offers that have gone out, who is most likely to commit to USC soon? Do you think we see any commitments by the uh, before the end of spring? Thanks and fight on. Uh, I believe Chris will jump in and, and answer that later on, maybe on, right there on the message board, hopefully. But uh, Yeah, I'll have him do that on the board. I've been knee-deep in spring football and make it haven't been yes, yes. up to speed yes, with, yeah. with recruiting as much. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll make sure that Chris answers that for you. In terms of the linebackers, Buddha has been in the middle. Um, he's been an inside linebacker. We've seen John Houston move a little bit. And then, as I mentioned right now, Pendergast said that Messina probably could play inside or outside. But they haven't been able to, I think, probably move people around as much as they would like to try because they're, they're still shorthanded. And it's tough to do when um, you're installing a new defense. And so Port Augustine, I think they like him exactly where he's at. I don't foresee him moving. And uh, Quentin Powell and Hutchings were there with Clancy before, and so Clancy seemed very comfortable with them um, up the middle. Batiku, you know, he's going to play outside. Uh, Olajuwon Tucker is probably a guy that could, you know, could play both or play either. But that hasn't happened yet. He's been okay. Um, he had a quiet week one. Thought he was better in week two. I'm surprised that he's not with the first team. So that says something, uh, given that where he finished off the year last year. And then John Houston, I think, uh, has a lot of versatility. And they initially slotted him to play outside. But... He's been working more inside, but not not a lot, not a lot of answers right now at, at linebacker. That really that front seven is, uh, I would say, a big question mark. But you know what? I don't want to sound too depressing or anything. It, it's week two of spring. We're going into week three, and there's a lot of time here. And we have practice on Tuesday. I wouldn't be surprised to see after the scrimmage, people in a different spot. Beautiful. That's it. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, B-22 writer. Uh, Exodus 1, can you ask why CHTM 
would not or will not use Stanford's use of an additional offensive line in their scheme. It just seems so simple to implement and use Gustin Osa in the backfield in a tank formation. Who doesn't like a good tank formation on a Friday night? <laughs> it seems like an ego thing when it would be such an easy ad and be so very effective. Big on, big smash mouth football, West Coast style. We have the depth. You know, I've got to compliment some of our subscribers that ask questions here. They really do know a lot. In you- most cases, more than me. Yeah. Exactly. I, and all, maybe. Um, <laughs> okay, well, unfortunately, they USC doesn't have the depth. I, I just got through talking about the linebackers. They need Gustin. Olsen hasn't even been healthy, but they need both of them on defense full-time. Um, we're not going to see them on offense. So that, that's just not happening. And, I mean, I'm... <laughs> with all due respect, I'm not going to ask that question because... They're not doing it, and so it it, it really it really is no reason for me to to broach that topic with Key Martin or Clay Helton. They they're not even experimenting with it. Um, in the scrimmage, there was a there was maybe like I don't know three to four plays where they used walk on linebacker Ruben Peters at fullback. They're trying to convert him. And then I heard some people making something of that. I mean, they barely utilized that. And even with maybe the, the third team offense line up in the backfield, like we've heard might happen. I think it I think it will happen, but they're they're not there yet. And so I think they're trying to get everybody up to speed with with the basics. And then they'll they'll throw in maybe some of these wrinkles later. And they have time. Right. We're in March, but um, I don't see them using this tank formation. And I don't, I don't know that they, they really have the gift to do it because they don't have a good numbers right now on defense. And you're talking about using, taking some of your better players on defense and putting them on offense. There you go. Nothing like a tank formation. And uh, as we get to the end, I was thinking to myself, I didn't look over the entire list, how was Nick from Cyprus? Maybe he was busy making uh, Easter eggs or having an Easter egg hunt at his home that he yeah. missed the posting. But there he is, Nick from Cyprus, Trojan fan. Hi, everybody! 68. Roll call shout out. Chris Swanson, Chris Morales, a.k.a. Rodriguez, and Adam Maya. Notice he didn't go into the 305, Mike Singer, or Blair yeah. Aguo, the or Dirty Blair. Brewer. Yeah. Nick, Couple I, of quick uh, questions. my heart. Who are the recruits the basketball team will get next year so any of them make an impact next year? Okay, thank you. Football, with the loss of Kenny Bam, Bam, Bigelow, who steps into his role? Who are some star defensive guys this spring? Baseball, do you think they have a good winning streak in them before the season ends? Last question, do you guys, any of you guys, watch People versus O.J. Simpson? Yeah, I talk about it every week, Nick. Thanks for paying attention. Happy belated Easter and fight on. Have you been keeping up? Yeah, one episode's with the, only. With the Simpsons? Yeah, I, I have a feeling like he's going to get out. He's going to get off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My good buddy, uh, although another guy with a troubled past at times, shocking that I would be friends with him, Pat O'Brien um, uh-huh. of, Enter- of Ho- Access Hollywood and CBS fame, um, had an amazing tweet last week during the show. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know. This is starting to get good. I think OJ might actually get away with it. It was actually pretty good. Right. I mean, he had to be there. No, I, uh, I get it. Um, yes. Baseball, a winning streak is tough in this conference. 
they might have a, like maybe they win four out of five, something of that nature. But even winning three in a row, four or five in a row, not that they can't do it, but if they don't, don't read too much into it. Um, you're, you're trying to win series, really. And uh, they've, they've started to do that. So if they can win series and they'll be in good shape. Some star defensive guys in spring. You know, I actually just did a, uh, a kind of a quick rundown of the standouts from week two for our subscribers. And, um, you know, I would say the MVP of the defense right now has been Rasheem Green, defensive tackle, who I, I talked about earlier on the show. Um, but there, there are a handful of people. I actually, I actually note the, the top player at every position, um, both on offense and defense. I did that for week one. I did it again for week two. And so be sure to check that out at trojansports.com. And then what was the other part of the 10 questions? Uh, did you get to the baseball thing? You mentioned that, right? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that was it. Oh, no, no there, was, there was like four more. Oh. Um, okay, who stepped into the role of uh, Bam Bam Bigelow? You remember Bam Bam from uh, yeah. WWF days? A little bit. I didn't, I didn't watch wrestling. That's not surprising. Um, Did you? Oh, yeah. I was yeah. A bre- yeah, we've talked about it when we had Blair the Dirty Bruin on and Shawn Michaels and... <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart jumping around, getting all crazy. Okay. Yes. Um, again, with, with, with Bigelow, it's kind of by committee. They, they need Jacob Daniel to grow up fast, and Noah Jefferson to do the same. Rasheem appears to be doing that. Um, Kevin Scott would be another guy who can't just watch and learn, but is going to need to get on the field. And, and have an impact. And Malik Dorton becomes, I think, maybe the most obvious replacement. He's someone that has been buried a bit on the depth chart, and now he's not. And he'll have every opportunity to, to win a job and to be a regular player. And uh, I like him in practice. So I kind of trust with him that if he hasn't played, it's because they've had better options in the past. But um, I appreciate what Chris Swanson said earlier about sometimes with defensive linemen, it's a matter of getting on the field. And maybe they're not on the field because uh, of a numbers game. But when they do, they end up uh, you know, surprising you. So, so Dorton would be huge. Um, but they, they really just need everybody to do more. You know, and that's why I think the loss to Bigelow is not a crusher um, because we don't know how good Bigelow would have been but it does it does require more from everybody else and then the next question was about sorry I can't keep up all about the uh, the basketball recruits I assume he's referring to 2016 they're bringing in Harrison Henderson the forward from from Texas He's six foot ten, two ten, so kind of built like like Boatwright. Um, although I don't know if he's as much of a shooter. And then Jonah Matthews, a really good guard out of Santa Monica, and then Anthony Melton is a guard out of Encino. So they definitely need uh, more in the front court, and this opens up a, a scholarship 
Uh, maybe they can get somebody late or a, a transfer. They really would need a, a grad transfer. I think they're in that boat. They're in the same boat as uh, as USC football, where they could uh, really benefit from a graduate transfer. And I think that's the first thing now that coaches are looking for uh, across the country. So, well, I couldn't tell you anybody right now who you know is a potential candidate. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to land one on the basketball team or on the football team right. on the defensive line. Very good. Thank you, Nick, from Cyprus. Take the rest of the day off, will you? Trojan fan 68. Okay, Trojans freak. Another friend of ours with Kenny Bigelow going down. What are the options to replacing him? Common question. Do you guys yeah. see a guy like <laughs> William Patico can move inside? Great size overall. A little tight. A little white. I almost said a little tight. But a little white, <laughs> but strong as heck with a motor that's nonstop. Okay. Uh, nothing like a nonstop motor, right, Adam? Yeah. No, I, 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 I appreciate everybody's question. Um, I would ask that you guys maybe read the questions that are posted before yourself. Um, On the new Rivals app, it's not as easy as you would think. No? No, not really, no. I, okay. like, yeah, like, they probably see your post and then just jump in, and you might just scroll up. Uh, when we were going back and forth that one day with B22 Rider, it, it's not as easy to just jump in there. Why would it be easy? I don't use the app. I actually just bookmark the the site, the mobile site, because the mobile site is designed so well that I don't think it necessitates even having an app. Okay. But uh, anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, forget the app. With uh, okay, a couple of names have been thrown out there on the board that I, I should probably address. Someone mentioned, you know, well, a lot of people mentioned Jordan Simmons. I think he wants to be on the offensive line. They want him there. They actually like what he's doing there, and they like him as a, a you know, potential backup there. Um, I don't see him moving back. I don't know if he really took to the position when he was there. Um, he didn't play at all last year. You know, he did practice uh, on the defensive side for a while, and uh, his name came up the other day, and Hilton reiterated that he liked him at offensive guard. So I don't see him moving. I don't. Maybe one of these other offensive linemen that is uh, not in the fold, um, not in the front line, could could move over. I, I wouldn't rule that out. I, I feel like they got to bring somebody. You know, I I think that's really the point I can make here because I, I know I don't have a lot of answers into what's going to happen or who will end up there. But I would agree that they would be well-served moving somebody there. I don't think it'll be Wally Bakiko. I don't think he's big enough to go there now. Maybe he can grow to that. Physically, there's a lot of, of room uh, for, for growth, and maybe he becomes a defensive tackle, but he's not going to play their freshman year. I made that point, too, about Connor Murphy earlier, where maybe he becomes a defensive tackle, but I don't think he arrives as one. And, um, yeah, I, I understand the concern, you know, of everybody on the defensive line. I have the same concerns really with the entire front seven, but I, I feel like I made this point before signing day that, you know, the one thing I think that was overlooked, not maybe not overlooked, but was a, wasn't addressed fully with the signing class as well as the staff did in the 11th hour 
they needed another interior lineman and they didn't get it. And those are guys that can go down, I mean, really on either side of the line, those linemen, they can go down on any play. And with Bigelow, it was non-contact and he merely planted in the ground and and tore it. And uh, you, you'd hope that, you know, that no one else suffers the same fate, but it can happen. And um, USC is not in a great spot in terms of numbers. So ultimately, they just need people to uh, to show up and, and maybe reach their potential earlier than, than expected. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for TrojanSports.com, uh, the, our weekly show, our weekly edition. There you go. Uh, thanks to everybody who asked questions. Thanks to Chris Watson, who was here for a while, but now he's not here anymore. And thanks to Adam Maya. Where Chris, do you think he went? I don't know. Who knows knowing him? Who knows? Uh, maybe he had an appointment. Maybe he had a girl coming over. You never know. Yeah. Hey, hey. The maid. <laughs> maybe he's home. Maybe he's home and he just didn't want to deal with us anymore. Um, you can search us on iTunes, TrojanSports.com podcast, uh, on Audio Boom, on Podcast Arena, and of course, always available at TrojanSports.com. We will, uh, and also thanks to Lance Irwin, who joins us from NFL.com and NFL Network. We will see you next week for another roaring edition of the TrojanSports.com podcast.